0: Jesus Christus, praise be Jesus Christ, and happy Friday of Easter week. Today is not a day of fasting. Technically, it is still the same Sunday that we celebrated last uh, Easter Sunday. So, whole point is to stay in the celebration for eight days. We as Catholics must fast hard and also feast hard when it comes to it. So, today we find ourselves on the Friday of the week of Easter, and I thought we'd reflect today on that mysterious encounter between Mary Magdalene and Christ at the tomb, because he says something to her that seems to confound many people, including myself at times, when he says, Noli me tangere," do not hold on to me. This is a woman who remained faithful to him uh, throughout his entire public ministry, followed by him even to the cross when everyone else ran away and when everyone else turned away from the tomb, she stayed there looking for him. And he gave her this mysterious response, do not hold on to me. So let's read that gospel passage and we'll reflect on that a little bit. And just a side note, the reason that I'm not recording these videos uh, face to face is because I don't want people, number one, to have to look at me. Number two, that you have to watch the video it is uh just kind of an informal discussion about different topics as we as we hit them so feel free to just set your phone down and um multitask while you're listening to this that's kind of the whole point of it so here's the gospel of john uh, chapter 20 verse 15 jesus said to mary woman why are you weeping whom are you looking for She thought it was the gardener and said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you laid him, and I will take him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, Stop holding on to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father. And then we will end right then. So, in a sense, this can be an image of loss and suffering. So, everybody else walked away from the empty tomb. They didn't. They were confused. They didn't know where the body was. And Mary actually thought that the, that uh, someone else had taken the body. Right? She went to the disciples and said, "They have taken the Lord, and I do not know where they have put him." So she still didn't understand that Christ had actually raised from the dead at this point. But what's her response to Christ suffering at the tomb? Well, she doesn't walk away. She stays there. And it actually shows um, just how deep her love for Christ really is. Because she received a new identity from Christ. It even says at one point that seven demons were cast out of her. Uh, and during his public ministry. And they, those have traditionally been understood as the as seven vices, seven um, principal sins. So she was very, uh, she was ridden with a lot of, of uh, problems in her past, you could say, that uh, Christ cleansed. He gave her a new identity, but it's an identity that she didn't understand about herself apart from Jesus Christ. So you can imagine her standing at the tomb there. And the others are going back into the world, returning back to their life. And she could be sitting there saying, you know, what is my life without you? Who am I without you? Everything I am, I have received from you. So if you're in this tomb, I'm not going anywhere else. To whom should I go? Who would I be? So she doesn't even understand who she is apart from her relationship with Christ, which really shows just how how deep her love is. Because She spent years following him, learning from him, loving him. Um, And just as she resolved to stay with him at the foot of the cross, she's resolving to stay here with him. But it's also an image of suffering. Sometimes uh, we refuse to walk away from what we've lost. We remain at the tombs of what has been... What has been in the past of our life, whether it be, you know, you see this in movies sometimes like the high school glory days. Some people never stop talking about what their life was back in high school or in college. They almost remain at the tomb of of the past or thinking always about people we once knew in the past or dated or loved, you know, love that was and then it was lost Um, experiences that we've had in the past. And most of all, what is most poignant here is loved ones that have passed away, loved ones that, we, that have died. In a sense, it's, it's very difficult at times to move forward in life when those we've most loved have passed away. And it can almost feel like a betrayal. You know, Mary Magdalene, perhaps she thought, like, how, how could I leave Christ at the tomb? How could I go on with life in this world that has crucified him? Um, without him, and people feel that sometimes, if, if once someone they've loved very much passes away, to go on with life can feel like a betrayal to that love. Like, how can I even pretend to try to be happy without that person in my life anymore? It's very hard, and then what happens? We we stay at the tomb. We we don't we choose. Uh, to remain in the past rather than move on move forward I didn't say move on but move forward with our life and so it shows a a very deep love of Mary Magdalene You know, sometimes we can love someone or something so much we've come to identify ourselves with them to the point that we don't know how to move past after they've uh, they've passed away we don't know how to move on with their life And so, in a sense, Mary Magdalene can kind of be that image. So how incredibly happy must she have been um, when she saw Christ there? And how, how happy Christ must have been with her, in a sense, because she remained at the tomb. Everyone else walked away, but she stayed. And she kept seeking him. Mary's always the one that's always seeking Christ. Same as the cross. She remained there when all the disciples went away. So she proved her love and devotion in the times that he needed her most. And because of that, because of her resolve, she was one of the first ones to receive the revelation at the tomb. She went there while it was still dark and saw the empty tomb. And because she wouldn't go away, she was able to see the angels and see Christ. Um, so we can imagine how how joyful she was when she... Uh, saw christ and that's why there's no line in the in the gospel message between you know him saying mary she recognizing him and then the next thing we see is that she's clinging to him and he's saying do not hold on to me um but why would christ and this is where we get to our point why would christ ask her to let go Uh, and it's only for the sake of giving her something more Jesus only asks us to let go of one thing so that he can give himself to us in a much more intimate way. So in a sense, he's saying, let go of my body, my physical body, so that you can embrace me in the depths of your soul. And that's why he must ascend to his father first, because once he ascends to his father, then he can return through the Holy Spirit and enter into the very depths of our soul right now his body was a limitation in his physical body because he could only be one place at one time communicated like a human being that one of the reasons he wanted to give himself his food in the Holy Eucharist is so that he could enter in the deepest part of us and we'd always have him accessible to us so I found this beautiful reflection Based on that line, I'll just read that. Jesus was not being critical to, of Mary when he told her not to hold on to him. He was actually giving her beautiful advice and a direction in her spiritual journey and her relationship with him. He was, her, he was telling her that his relationship was now going to change and deepen. He told her not to hold on to him because he had not yet ascended to the Father. At that moment, Mary's relationship with Jesus was primarily on a level, on a human level. She had spent much time with him, been in his physical presence, and loved him with her human heart. But Jesus wanted more. He wanted her and all of us to now love him in a divine way. So it's going from a human love to a divine love. And what does that look like? He was soon to ascend to the Father and from his heavenly throne, he could descend to begin a new relationship with Mary and with all of us. That was far more than a mere uh, human level relationship. From his throne in heaven, he could now enter Mary's soul. He could enter into a new and much deeper communion with her and with all of us. He could live in us and we in him. He could become one with us. And so the idea of Christ will only tell us to let go of him so that he can come back and give himself in a much more intimate way. And that is one of the most important lessons of the spiritual life. To learn to let go of Christ so that we can receive him anew and always deeper. This kind of goes to the point of God, why is there evil in the world? One reason, God only allows the evil that he can bring something better out of. So to lose Christ is an evil. It's, it's, it's not good. But he allows it to happen so that he can bring about an even deeper relationship within us. And the perfect model of that is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mary is the perfect model of how to let go. And we see that because, especially in statues, her arms are always open. Always open, especially at the foot of the cross. Open to receive Christ. Open to lose him. And open to let him come back to her however he desires. So Christ is always free in Mary to come and to go. We see that at Bethlehem. The very first thing that Mary did, she laid him in a manger. And we often see it, those images of Christ in the manger, Mary, her arms open right there as if offering him to the world. And that's, that's the most contrary thing that any mother thinks of at the moment of giving birth to her, to her newborn baby. They always cling to them. But even from the beginning, Mary had this total receptivity and openness to God. Just, he's not just for me, he's for the world. So she lays him in a manger. She loses him in the temple. And runs after him, right? And so she's even open to that, but she never stops seeking him. Cana, the wedding feast at Cana, Mary actually pushes Christ into his public ministry. It was with that first miracle at Cana that Christ's fame really began to spread. And he says, my hour is not yet come. What's the hour? The hour of the cross. So he's saying, do you realize, Mary, that by mother, woman, that by me performing this miracle you're pushing me towards the cross and what does she do tells the servants do whatever he tells you so she didn't try to cling to him cling to his human life because she knew that the cross would bring about the greatest uh glory that that's why he came uh, and that would be the deepest intimacy they could have was through the cross so she didn't try to protect him and the same thing happened at calvary she allows him to suffer at no point do we see mary trying to protect christ from suffering trying to hold on to him but she remains at the foot of the cross with her arms open Low reflection on this that i read the ultimate moment of letting go for mary must have occurred at the crucifixion and death of her son on calvary But while she was present with her son throughout his suffering, she did not try to prevent it. She was not a mother who tried to do everything for her child. She did not seek to take his sufferings away from him by putting them on herself, but rather suffered with him. Available to support him with her love and devotion, she allowed him to fulfill his own role to accomplish the Father's will in his life, even when it meant that she would have to lose him. So you think about it this way: Mary's hands were always—they're um, always open. And for us, the more—and it's because she's immaculately conceived; she had no sin. For us, it's far easier. For us, who we have very sticky hands, and the more that sin is affected in us in our life, oftentimes one consequence is like we have like—if you think about like tar on our hands—so we we grasp. Onto to human creatures or even on spiritual good spiritual means or on christ himself will grasp in such a way that we're afraid to lose him because the sins or the sufferings of life have made us very um clingy in a sense so mary was always open her hands were always free she didn't need to let, hold on to christ out of fear because she had total confidence in him and it's a reflection for us what am i holding on to in my life <clears throat> Is there anything in my life that I haven't surrendered to Christ? And we know that by our memory, principally, our mind remembers persons and events um, that have yet to be reconciled in our hearts. And so if there's certain things, that's what post-traumatic stress disorder is, PTSD. It's when there is an event in your past that your your brain hasn't been able to process yet, so you keep going back to it. And back to it and back to it and keep acting out of that. Uh, in a sense, it's like you're remaining at the tomb of your past. It's, it, you haven't been able to move past that. And we all have different situations in our life that could bring that about. Um, and one image for that is a, a stream or a pond. You know, that is your heart, has your life been more like a pond or like a stream? Events in our life can be either one. And you think about it, streams are, they're usually fresh, they're clear, you know, they're very life-giving all around them, wherever they reach, uh, because they're moving, like a gentle stream. Ponds, on the other hand, they, they collect moss and, you know, a lot of dirt and bugs and leeches and flies everywhere and smells really bad. Why is that? Because they remain in one place. So our hearts and our life, really, because we're always growing, we're meant to be a stream. And that's how God always describes the Holy Spirit and grace in the scriptures. It's a stream of flowing water because it's meant to always be refreshing us. Never just in one place stagnant. But that can happen to our hearts. Um, am I the question is, am I receiving all the events in my life, in my heart, as a stream or a pond? If I hold on to what should be passing through me, in a sense I can become stagnant unable to move forward, to receive new life and new love. And that's, that's the sign of the Holy Spirit. He's, he's always welling up. Right? It's always moving water. And we have to be open to receive that new water of life. And we also see this kind of in, in diabolical and uh, mysticism. The diabolical is always closed in on itself, especially with those who are possessed, You see them, the more that uh, when they go through an exorcism and the spirit begins to manifest itself in their flesh, come to the surface, what happens is their body begins to close in on itself and everything becomes very hard because one sign of the diabolical is this totally closed off. So they're not open to anything. The mystical, if you see a lot of, if you ever Google search like mystics of the Catholic church. Um, mystical prayer, what you see often is very soft, soft limbs, openness, a complete receptivity, and just shows those are um, polar opposites, but they really reveal how the closer that grace is working on us, the more open we are to receive. But uh, when a negative spirit is on us, we tend to cling, try to hold on to the past, or in a sense, of the body of Christ, in order to. Because uh, we're afraid of losing it again, but this is always this is uh, reflected in one of the best um, books in Scripture, the Song of Songs, which it's that's it's one of the most beautiful reflections on the relationship between Christ and the soul, and it's always a kind of a drama of polarity between seeking and finding and losing and seeking again, and that's what the spiritual life is. So Christ never allows himself to be held for long because his goal is that we move fur- further, always going after him, in a sense. And we see this in a special way in the song. Um, let's see, I'm going to just read one little part. The polarity of seek and find, which is at the core of the song, is one of the major dualities in all Holy Scripture. Nowhere can we see one writer declares the most profound characteristic of biblical revelation as clearly as in the song of songs the universe is the locus of a love drama a lover and the beloved will forever desire and call each other lose and seek each other find and embrace each other And the bridegroom will only he's only found when he freely reveals himself by his own choice to a bride and then she has the choice to to run after him in a sense we see that in um, this scene with Mary Magdalene and this is what they bring up in this book between the link between the cantata of love the um, song of songs and Mary Magdalene. Mary Magdalene uh, runs to the empty tomb on Easter morning. It is the same loving search, the same wild haste through the same city before daybreak, the same anguish, the same tears, the same questions that are incomprehensible when thus posed to any passerby. I don't know where they have put him. Tell me where you have laid him. And so they see that Mary Magdalene actually reflects most of all uh, the song in a way that the bride in the Song of Songs. Because she keeps running after Christ. And so why does Christ leave us, in a sense? As we said before, so that we would seek him inside of ourselves. That we'd always go deeper. So where does the bride find him? In fact, Christ was nowhere else than in her own heart. Nowhere but in her innermost self and not outside of the self. That the bridegroom inhabits that he will always inhabit thus it is in her soul going deeper and deeper in it in an endless search that the bride will find again the one she loves in so far as he can be found it must be noted says st John of the cross that to find the bridegroom in so far as possible in this life the word in union with the father and the Holy Spirit resides essentially in the deepest part of the soul where he hides thus the soul that must find him in a love union must detach its will from all created things, enter in deepest recollection within itself, and there keep loving and very affectionate relationship with God. Thus St. Augustine says, Lord, I did not find you outside myself, because I did not know how to look for you. I looked outside while you are within me. And that's the whole secret of Christ saying, let go of me. Let go of me from outside so I can enter within. So the question for us is, am I allowing Christ to draw me deeper in my relationship with him, to change? Or am I trying to cling to what has always been before? Am I allowing Christ to change me, to change the way that he reveals himself to me, as long as I keep running after him? Um, he is found only when he freely reveals himself. And he's always free, freely revealing himself in a way that draws me further and further outside myself. So in this time when churches are closed and maybe you don't have all the same ways to go after Him as you did before, what are the ways that you can get creative? How can you see Christ like Mary Magdalene even now? Not just going back to, you know, how things were uh as everyone else is doing, just watching more TV or listening to more music um, or just filling up time with, with leisure, how can you see Christ like Mary Magdalene in this time? And what are the things in your life that you might be clinging to from the past that are not enabling you to be open to his revelation at this present moment? And with a prayer. Lord, may I cling to you as you cling to me. May my heart, mind, and soul be yours. Come live in me so that I may live in you. I give my life to you, dear Lord. Help me to offer you all that I am. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. God bless you.